0: We have over 30 years of experience in the industry and are owners of the well-established design build remodeling company, Black Dog Builders, in Salem and Nashua, New Hampshire.
1: We're sitting down with industry professionals to tap into their experiences and insights so we can equip you with the tools you need to make your own project a success. Welcome back again to Renovation Made Right. I am Brenda Bryan. And I am David Bryan. And we are very excited. Brenda's lucky. again. Yes, you are. Thank you. <laughs> You're my straight man. Yes. Um, So we are going to be doing another Q&A session today um, because, again, we are looking forward to talking about what you guys want to talk about. So if you have questions, please email them to renovationmaderight at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, Of course, you can always Google your question and get an answer, but ours is always going to be better, more exciting. Yes. and more entertaining. Why
0: would you want to ask the Google when you could ask the David and the Brenda?
1: Exactly. That's it's always cool. going to be better. So I will kick off by reading the first question, and David, you can answer it, or you can punt to me if you don't know what the heck you're doing. I will. All right. So, <laughs> well, so let's just so, punt right now. Right? <laughs> right? So Sarah A. in Portsmouth, New Hampshire asked, I'm trying over time to make my home more efficient and eco-friendly. I want to replace the toilets, but there are so many types and costs. Obviously, I also want something that will actually flush what it's supposed to. Ahem. Uh-huh. Ah. Uh, can you recommend a product that will work well but also keep our water consumption down? Is it, you know is what? it Sarah, you said? This is Sarah A. in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I actually want, um, not that I want to leave you hanging, Sarah, so we'll answer it quickly, but, um... We are going to have a guest on probably next recording session of um, somebody from a plumbing supply. Art. Yes,
0: from uh, from the Granite Group. We're going to have right. um, our rep Mitzi from the Granite Group on uh, at some point in the, in you know one of the next few shows. So, yeah, exactly. But, but she this- will actually
1: probably give a better answer to this, but I think we can give you the short answer and then maybe we'll, we'll tee this up for her and see what she has to say too.
0: That sounds good. So one of the things that's been interesting in the plumbing world, and I think it's probably a, a, a challenge on some level, is that as they, as the, as plumbing fixtures aspire to become more and more eco-friendly and eco-friendly is almost exclusively uh, defined by using less water, right. right? So whether that's a faucet, a shower head, or a toilet, the less water they use, the more friendly they are. Right. But obviously, you know, there's, there's challenges on both fronts, right? On the shower front, you want to feel that pressure and enjoy the shower on the toilet front. You don't want any left in the toilet. Right. Right. So, (laughs) you know, our, the old toilets in the houses we grew up with would flush with like three, three and a half gallons of water and and nobody would think a thing about it. Right. Right. And, and, and they generally, uh, moved whatever liquid or solid waste was in the toilet and would get rid of it. Um, but a lot they of those. It would
1: take a long time to refill back up. They right? sure do. So, you know, that's right. the advantage of the newer toilets is that you, you can flush them and then you can flush them again relatively shortly thereafter.
0: Well, yeah. But the truth is that um, they've now done such a much better job at, at, at developing the design of the toilets. I think toilets that we had back, back in the day when we were kids, uh, which was they, a long, long time ago, <laughs> They flushed well, but mostly. Not because of good design, but just because of volume of water. Right, right. So as the restrictions have gotten tighter and tighter and tighter, and you go from a, a three-gallon toilet to a three and a half-gallon toilet to uh, you know a, a one point six-gallon or one point you know eight-gallon toilet um, to a one point two eight-gallon toilet. So today the the toilets are typically one point two eight gallons, right? Um, what that's required is the manufacturers to become better about the way they design the inner workings of the toilet. Typically what they refer to as the trap, right? So there's a there's a trap in the toilet. You don't really it, it, sometimes you'll notice it or see it because you can look at the side of the toilet and you'll see how the contours work of, the, of what essentially is the... It's
1: like a little squirrely looking thing. Right, it looks yeah. like an
0: intestine. Right, yeah. Kind of, right?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um, and uh, right. and so. Form
1: follows function. Right. And I don't know. This is gross.
0: More fancier toilets don't, you'll actually, th- <laughs> that part of it's sort of enclosed and you can't Carol's see. Carol's
1: making a terrible face is over she? here. Our yes, producer, she is. She's making a face yes. like, ew, you guys,
0: cut it out. All right. Can can, can we talk about the toilet no, function sorry. here?
1: I'm sorry. I got, I got carried
0: away. Right. Every, every, uh, every Costello needs its Abbott, I get, right? Exactly. So <laughs> or every Abbott needs their Costello. Exactly. So Go Costello. Right. Uh, <laughs> Who's on first? Uh, so. The, so that's the deal. The deal is that the manufacturers have it to get better over time, and so consequently they have better engineering, better design, and they do things differently, like they'll actually uh, you know how the outside of your toilet is what they call glazed, right? So it's the nice, clear, shiny, washable white surface, or whatever color the fixture might be. Well, they can now do that on the inside of the toilet in the trap, right? So the trap is actually a glazed trap, which means it's smoother and, and, and it has less friction. Them, right. right. And yeah. so, you know, so today, I, I think that's what you want to be looking at. And you can actually take it one more level and there are multiple models on the market now that actually offer two types of flushes in the same toilet yep. right so, and I don't don't I can't tell you I'm sure Mitzi could tell us the actual gallon Gallons, consumption right. but it's
1: the number one flush and the number two right, flush for yeah? solid, the number two uses right. twice as much water as the number one right, right? for
0: solid waste or for liquid waste right yep. and, um, and all the manufacturers are now tr- sort of having to um, hold up to the same standard so manufacturers now are there's a certain it's a product they call miso paste it's very it's like a very thick material that they use I and it was
1: like used in cooking uh
0: no well it might be but it, but it's the paste that they use to emulate solid waste and you have to be able to get a certain yeah. amount of that solid waste through and that's what the manufacturers sort of use as a standard to that's just repulsive. Uh, but hey but it, but <laughs> it, it, you, you want your toilet to flush right yeah, so, um, so that's what uh, that's what helps so at any rate um you know i think uh and and not all toilets are created equal, for sure. So be careful, as I would actually look at reviews. I would look at consumer reviews and consumer comments on on fixtures as you're looking at that um, to uh, to make sure that the manufacturer you're working with has, in fact, done a good job developing a low-consumption toilet, Right. because they're definitely not all the same.
1: But again, we'll bring this up with Mitzi again right. um, next time we talk to her, and she'll probably give some even uh, better input. So I'm going to read this next question, mostly because I just read it, and I'm not going to be able to answer it. So <laughs> since I'm just going to get a little word in edgewise, everyone once in a while. Awesome. Do it. So it says, I have lived in a very old house built in 1790, that is a very old house, for about 30 years, and there has always been a slope to the floors. Nothing is level. It was obviously there when we moved in, but it seems to be getting worse on one corner of the house, and I want to fix it, but I'm also concerned about what's involved, what it'll cost, and what I should expect in terms of improvement. Any insight?
0: So, great question. Um, And who are we talking to?
1: That's uh, Jen in Salem, Mass., which is known for a lot of old homes.
0: It is. It is. So, Jen, I'm sure I'm already probably preaching to the choir here, but part of what you get when you get an old home is sloping floors, right? And so I'm sure that was part of the charm.
1: Don't drop your marbles.
0: Right. (laughs) So I'm sure that was part of the charm that appealed to you about the home, and if, you know, for people who you know for the, for the engineer who wants things pristine and everything perfect that's not the right house for you right so obviously for you you bought the house it was the right house now you're concerned about the potential for current changes going on and i understand that um when you if you believe that the house is can, is now shifting first of all something probably has changed if the house is is been on the on this earth since 1790 i think you said mm-hmm. um In order for it to... It is settled as far as it's going to settle in all likelihood. And in order for it to settle further, something a variable has occurred that is now different. Whether yeah, that maybe means... The water table. Exactly. Or, right. Whether that means you've got a high groundwater. maybe that means you know one of your neighbors had done something landscaping wise that has now impacted the way your property is shedding mm-hmm. water and now your, water, your your ground may be more uh, maybe softer, maybe more likely or maybe it's, you know, you've got, you've got a freezing problem that, that you didn't have before that's having an impact on your foundation, but the long and the short of or it maybe is... maybe you're
1: having, you know, because these are sills we're talking about very often and maybe you're having an insect problem that is a more
0: Perfect. That's exactly right. Right. So, um, and and so if that's the case, then you know obviously what you want is a qualified professional to come out to your home and and do an exploration of things. And if and if you have sort of a baseline and you can say, hey, I'm noticing this gap between my floor and the baseboard, and it's getting bigger. That's a very helpful. Uh, area for uh, for someone to come in and begin looking at and trying to diagnose what might be going on. So Brenda, to your point, the idea of uh, insect problems resulting in rot, uh, that's a very likely source of that problem. That's a relatively straightforward fix, right? Now you need to be working with someone who is comfortable with taking apart, temporarily supporting, and then putting back together an old home. That's not everyday carpentry. That is restoration carpentry, right? And and important. So you need the right people to understand what's happening. Um, you also need to i think you need to have the right standard in your mind as to what what constitutes success right so if you're in an old home that has sloping floors to aspire to get those floors back to level is probably not reasonable yeah, it's or never smart, happen. right?
1: Well, and I suppose it could happen, but there's so much damage that's done on the on the way in terms of cracked walls correct. all over the place and then your windows don't work anymore. And well, and
0: it has it has a, a huge ripple effect. So, I mean, in order for you to really try to get things level and true, you really want the whole frame gutted, right? Mm-hmm. And because even you know, even around your masonry, right? In old homes, there's typically multiple fireplaces. Those have also settled, right? Mm-hmm. And so you go to level your floors, now your fireplace is not going to be in the same place where your floors were,
1: right? Right. right. It feels like it's sunk. Right.
0: right. And and so there's a lot of baggage there. So a, a good aspiration is to, uh, is to just make sure that everything is solid and sound and not moving anymore, uh, as opposed to trying to level things. But it's not that you can't do that, but it, like you said, Brent, it's got that ripple effect. It's got the, um, you know, when you're jacking up a floor uh, and you're the carpenter that you're doing it, and you've got, you know, five jacks working simultaneously and you're taking a couple of cranks on each one or a couple of pumps on each, each hydraulic jack, um, and then you hear sort of a loud bang somewhere, that's because you put stress in another part of the house and it's rippled through. And maybe you're pulling cracks on the second floor. Maybe you're pulling cracks on the first floor. Maybe, who knows where it's, but you're pulling cracks somewhere because you're making things change, right? And, and uh, so nothing like that happens without some baggage. Um, and you just need to know that going into it. And you need to have a contractor who is comfortable uh, with taking on that level of responsibility and who does it intelligently, right? You don't, you don't reverse uh, a sloping floor uh, in a day. Right? you make mo- mm. modest changes over the course of time um, and maybe it takes a little while for that floor to get lifted back to where you want it to get to but uh, long story short is um, keep your expectations in line with the charm that drew you to the house to begin with mm-hmm. right and if you don't want sloping floors don't buy an old house because the correction of that is a big deal right right and probably not where you want to go and
1: and don't drop your marbles
0: and <laughs> don't drop your marbles very good very good so do we have <laughs> one that I can read
1: yes Uh, You have one you could read, and um, I think this is it. And this is very pertinent to what we're dealing with right now. The first one. Okay, great.
0: Let me put on my spectacles. Oh, very good. All right. Uh, I'm working from home. My husband and three kids. Ooh, this sounds. This already sounds ugly. Uh, I'm working from home with my husband and three kids, ages seven, nine, and ten, during the COVID outbreak. We're here. This is real, right? Uh, They are (laughs) driving me crazy. And maybe this is just a knee-jerk reaction, but I'm feeling like we need a bigger house or an addition. Our winters are hard here and long, and I'm terrified of still being locked up with them next January. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our jobs are safe, for now at least, so I'm feeling like we could invest a bit in our home. Um, what's uh, What affordable thing can I do to get my kids out of my hair? I am going nuts. Gretchen V., uh, from Syracuse, New York. So oh,
1: Syracuse! Yeah, the win- winters are super. Those are hard. those are long those and deep. Those are some really bad winters. Yeah. yeah, I can see why. Like you know, luckily it's May and you can send them outside. But but yeah, come uh, come the winter, you're not going to be want to stuck with them. Be stuck with them again. Right. So yeah, obviously there's a few things you can do. You could move. I mean, people are still selling houses and still moving, right? You could move to that bigger house, and that might be. um the easiest way to deal with this. But on the other hand, if you like your neighborhood and for the most part, you like your family, except right now when you really hate them, I noticed that you said, um, I am living with my husband and my three kids. They are driving me crazy. So I'm not sure if you're talking about your husband or your kids or just all of them, but I expect it's all of them. So probably the quickest and least expensive way to go. If you have a basement, if possible is to finish your basement. Um, that would be I, that would be my first stab because there's a couple good reasons for that. Um, one, you're on a separate floor, which means you can close the door and the noise stays down there, which is really nice. Two, it's a relatively inexpensive way to add a lot of square footage, and it can be informal square footage. I mean, you just let your kids run around and do laps in the basement would be good. Like, I wouldn't even necessarily put much in the way of furniture down there, other than a couple bean bags and the Xbox machine. Um, just let them work out their craziness down there. Um, And three, you can actually have it done probably relatively quickly. It's a pretty short turnaround project. Um, And additionally, uh, the people working on it don't really have to come into your home. If you have a bulkhead, for instance, they can come and go through your bulkhead. So you can be um, separated from that work and, and keep your family safe at the same time the work is going on. So that would probably be my best suggestion. Um, in the short term. Obviously, additions are always an option, but you're talking about a much bigger, much more expensive project and much more um, extended timeline. So it really, it, it depends. But that would be my, that would be my suggestion.
0: Very good. I, so I, I, I agree with you. I think basements are a great solution. We will ultimately end up doing another show uh, that is a basement-related show. And, uh, and we will jump into that.
1: Okay, so we got one last question we can get to today, and it is from Lizanne L. in Andover, Mass. Um, and this is her question. What's the, what is the value of replacing siding on a house? We have cheap vinyl siding now, and we're trying to decide if it's worth it to replace it when we replace our windows so we get a better thermal package. However, knowing that we're probably selling the house in 10 to 15 years and the windows cost so much, we are questioning the value of that investment. And The whole question about replacement windows has been a difficult one for us, questioning doing cheap vinyl versus wood versus choosing for, um, and choosing for aesthetics. So right. lots of questions rolled in there. But yes, yeah. yeah, so basically exterior remodel.
0: OK, great. So that's a, a bunch of variables or a bunch of issues to talk about in that in that question, which is great. So let's see if we can help out. Um, so the first thing is, I think you need to be guided by by uh, initially what's going on in your neighborhood, right? So if you're uh, the, the the kind of siding choice you finally end up with should be in somewhat tied to and related to what is the norm in your marketplace. So as an example. In some neighborhoods, if every home in the neighborhood is a wood sided house with, you know, nice exterior trim details with paint and you choose to put vinyl in, you may actually devalue your house Mm -hmm. because vinyl siding is not as appreciated in that market. Right. Conversely, in another in another area, uh, you know, adding vinyl siding. Uh, to bring up the aesthetic view, value of your house in some markets will increase the value of your home, right mm-hmm. So so it's very it's very much um, a geography specific and sort of market specific answer. Mm-hmm. okay Now we drill into the other side of it about the envelope of the house and how we're, how we're making the house more efficient. Generally speaking, um, I'm not a big fan of looking at siding as doing much in either direction pro or con for that. Wrapping the house, uh, so often they'll they'll put on this like very thin foam board. If they're taking vinyl siding and going over old siding, that foam board actually serves more. To give them a smooth substrate to install siding than it really does to add R value.
1: What do you mean going over old siding? Like if it's a wood siding?
0: Yeah, so very often okay. uh, vinyl siding goes directly over old siding and covers up old siding, which is not always a great thing. I'm a bigger fan of stripping right down to the base layer, mm-hmm. but that's not it's not it's commonly not done. It's mm-hmm. commonly covering up old siding, right? Um, and and so so there's baggage around that, but um, and, and this would actually. One of the one of the pieces of the question in here also speaks to efficiency of your home, right? So I'm going to take a, a minute and do a little detour and we'll eventually do a, probably a whole show on efficiency and thinking about just like we'll do a whole show on basement finishing um, because those are popular topics. But the very first thing to consider as you're thinking about where you want to invest money in your home to make it more comfortable is actually not windows or doors. It's actually in your attic. It's actually hiring a a quality insulation contractor to come in and air seal your attic and then put additional insulation in, making sure you're maintaining good ventilation. So air sealing first and then high R-value. And when I say high R-value, I mean like an R-value that is north of an R-49. An R-49 meaning uh, and and even up to R-60, right? That's, uh, that's, That's a really good way to do that. And then the then the the tie into this without getting too deep into the uh, to to the whole uh, home performance thing, there's this concept called the stack effect. And in home improvement or in in weatherization, the stack effect basically means that in in a multiple story home, uh, you uh, even even in a single story home, I should say, what, what homeowners do in the wintertime is they heat their air. And then when they heat their air, the, the the hot air rises and pressurizes the upper level of the house, which is the exact reason why I say air seal first, right? So you want to, when you pressurize the upper level of the house, the air is now looking for places to push through Mm -hmm. against the ceiling, right? And It's like a hot air balloon going up. Like a hot air balloon. And it finds those areas of air, it finds those areas to escape all over your house, right? So if you air seal before you insulate, you are plugging up those holes for that air to escape. However... You can never make it perfect. So some air is still going to escape, right? Now, you obviously know that you can't live in a vacuum, right? So uh, by the fact that the air is escaping, it means somewhere else in your home, the air is leaving. Or I'm sorry, the air is coming in. in. The air is coming in, right? So it creates pressure at the top, creates a vacuum at the bottom, right? And so where your house meets the foundation uh, is the other area of greatest leakage, and it's the area where the air is being drawn in. So, while your air is escaping up high, it's getting replaced by air get, getting drawn in at the base. And then or you... like
1: leaky windows through there, well, right?
0: but no, not, leaky windows are actually second, or I'm sorry, the, the last part of it. So the, so the first area to attack is your attic. Your second area to attack is your basement. And the third and final area to attack is the center. So ABC, Attic Basement Center, hmm. right? Because while the attic's under pressure, the basement's under negative pressure where the air is being drawn in, the center of your house is actually fairly neutral, mm-hmm. right? So it's neither being pressurized nor depressurized. And so consequently, although windows can definitely do well to improve your home, they're not the first place that I look. Mm-hmm. The fir- they're, they're actually the last place I look. If you want your envelope to work as well as it can, windows are certainly an important part of that, but they're not the only part of that. Mm-hmm. And they're not the first part of that, mm-hmm. right? So, and they're also, by the way, because the windows are the most expensive solution, they also have the lowest return, right? So, insulation work has the highest return value because relative to the cost of windows, it's a lot less,
1: right? right? And, right. It, and it helps
0: cut your heating bill down and improve your comfort because it also reduces drafts and so forth, right? So, now, having said that, um, if your windows are shot and they don't operate well and they require more maintenance and, you know, you, you, have, to, you have to deal with that, that's another compelling reason, not just energy, that you wanna look at window replacements, right? And so um, then it, then I'm gonna go back to the siding discussion and say your choice about what window is right for your home can also be somewhat driven by what's going on in the rest of your neighborhood, right? So if your neighborhood has uh, homes of similar value that also have uh, higher performance windows or um, Typically, windows that might be, uh, you know, a maintenance-free exterior, but maybe a wood interior. Mm-hmm. Or if your interior finishes are stained, that may drive you toward choices of, of a wood window. But I would encourage you that no matter what you do, um, unless you live in a historic home that's, you know, that, that that's got a lot of specific requirements, I'd encourage you to be looking at a maintenance-free exterior anyway. Mm-hmm. You you may you may be very happy with a fully vinyl window, um, which are typically less expensive and can still perform very well, but you may also be happy with a happier with a wood window uh, that performs really well, but can also come with a maintenance-free exterior. Right, right. So uh, there's lots of we we could go on about that one question all by itself for quite some time. There's lots of variables to consider, um, but if you're thinking payback, definitely don't look to your exterior to make that happen in the most meaningful way, um, and uh, and then be careful that if you're all going to do vinyl siding that. If there are some problems with the house, like current rot problems, those need to get fixed first. You don't want to cover those problems up with yeah. vinyl siding. Right? Vinyl siding should not be a Band-Aid. Unfortunately, it often is used that way, but that's not the best solution for you for the long term.
1: Right. All right? Yeah. So hope hopefully that good. helped. Yeah. So that's all we have time for today in terms of questions. So we will come back to it. We have a few more on our list that we will get to, and we're going to try and round them out into our regular show so that we're answering maybe one question in each show. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, That's our plan. So please keep them coming. And if we find that we're getting a whole stack up of a lot of questions, we'll do another show with just questions again. Excellent. So this is Renovation Made Right, and I am Brenda Bryan. And I am David Bryan. Thank you for being with us. See you next time. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes on our website, renovationmaderight.com, and follow us on social media at Renovation Made Right. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you like the show, leave us a review.